We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Doesn't cost you a thing. Rate us and review us, please, on Apple and Spotify uh, if you haven't done it already. One guest on the show today, Vinny Serrato, is going to be on with me. It's draft time. Uh, Vinny has very much been involved in analyzing the draft for his radio show, which he does in Baltimore. Uh, we've had Vinny on the podcast before. It's probably been a year or two, maybe a little bit longer. Can't remember exactly. Um, Vinny's got great stories to tell, I'm sure, about his time here. Um, Vinny has uh, always been, and I've mentioned this before, while certainly all of us, uh, you know, don't think fondly of those days, and really don't think fondly of many of the days over the last 22 years, uh, Vinny personally was always incredibly pleasant, uh, in- incredibly nice, and Vinny was always a good guest um, on radio uh, when we would have him on. I think it's one of the reasons he has had some success in Baltimore hosting and co- or co-hosting uh, a show on Sports Talk Radio, which he's been doing for a few years. So we will catch up with Vinny, I promise, um, in this next uh, segment uh, and see how he's doing and see what he thinks of the draft. Draft, get his thoughts on uh, you know potential Washington selections at eleven, and I am sure um, as uh, I have had conversations with him here and there over the years, there will be some pretty good stories uh, that he will tell uh, as well. So, a couple of things to start. Number one is this: I am convinced that Washington has Drake London very high on their board. Now, would they take Drake London in front of Kyle Hamilton at 11 if they were both there? I don't know the answer to that. My guess is that they would probably draft Kyle Hamilton, but I do know that there are people in the organization that are very high on Drake London and have separation at the wide receiver position between Drake London and the other receivers. Now, there are other receivers they like. They like Williams, Jameson Williams. They like Garrett Wilson. They like Alave. 
Um, they like Jahan Dotson. There's some people in the organization that like, that like Penn State wide receiver Jahan Dotson, who I believe is going to go in the first round. I don't think he's a guy available at 47 overall. And, he, and 11 is too high. But really, the um, information that I want to get across to everybody is that Drake London is a player that they really, really uh, covet. Uh, Again, I can't tell you if they covet him more than Kyle Hamilton or more than maybe another player at another position if that player is available at 11. But as Drake London relates to the other receivers in this draft – there are important people in this organization that feel very strongly that he is the number one uh, receiver in this draft. Now, this would go hand-in-hand with some of our previous conversation, which is he's a bigger receiver. Uh, He is the best of the big receivers in the draft. There are similarities uh, to Michael Pittman Jr. They both went to USC. They're both 6'4", 220-ish. Um, that's a guy that uh, Carson Wentz really, really liked and had some chemistry with in Indy this past season. Uh, and Carson Wentz, as many people have said in recent weeks, uh, is better with bigger receivers, more comfortable with bigger receivers, with bigger catch radii. Uh, is that the plural of radius? Radii? I think it is. I could be wrong on that. Uh, but anyway, um, Drake London, uh, if he's there at 11 and Kyle Hamilton isn't, unless there's an offensive lineman, because many people, the other thing I was told is that the offensive linemen, the three uh, at the top of the draft board, are really among this group of, of potential draftees kind of viewed as the best players in this draft. You know, talking, um, you know, specifically uh, about, you know, the tackles that could go uh, Equano from NC State, Neal from Alabama, and Cross from Mississippi State. Hearing a lot of these guys are just flat out better than other players at other positions. I know technically Washington doesn't have like this massive need for a left tackle. They extended Leno Jr. They feel good, I think, about uh, Sam Cosme at right tackle. Um, but the tackles, Aquano, Neal, and Cross, and then some of the defensive linemen, specifically, you know, Aiden Hutchinson, and I know a lot of people like Trayvon Walker, and Washington, according to Ben, uh, they were going down for a visit with uh, Trayvon Walker, you know, kind of a late visit with him uh, during uh, this the latter part of this week. Anyway, um, I'm hearing that there is some real – strong sentiment for Drake London, the wide receiver uh, out of Southern Cal. Um, Big target, uh, by the way, was very uh, versatile um, there. He was not just an outside receiver. He got moved around in their system. Uh, and, And Scott Turner loves doing that even with Terry McLaurin. I mean, he's matched up his receivers and his backs like J.D. McKissick in a lot of different situations, inside, outside, just trying to take advantage of the best potential uh, matchup. Uh, But anyway, um, something just to keep in mind 
we'll see what happens Thursday. And, you know, opinions can change between now and then. And, again, it's possible that they're just players on the board that are higher rated than Drake London at, you know, comparable need areas or actually, in some cases, needier areas. Uh, and this, you know, depth in the wide receiver class that may allow them at 47 overall to draft a receiver anyway. But as far as their receiver board, I've got a pretty good uh, handle on Drake London for at least, you know, some key people in the decision-making process. They feel London, uh, that there's separation between London and some of the others. Personally, I think Garrett Wilson looks like a, a, a guy that, again, I've, I've comped him to Stefan Diggs. I know others have as well, but he just looks like a guy that will make it easy for a quarterback. But he's not 6'4". He's not 220. Um, and Drake London hasn't run. He didn't run the 40 at the Indy Combine because he was still recovering from the ankle. And he didn't run the 40 uh, for his uh, pro day either. So who knows what he would actually run. The tape is great on him. You know, he's got great hands. He's a, he's a basketball player. He played basketball um, at SC his freshman year. And, you know, Garrett Wilson, by the way, was a phenomenal high school basketball player. Had D1 offers from everybody. Um, I think Jamison Williams did uh, as well. Uh, but anyway, I like Wilson and Williams more. I think they like Drake London more. Um, the second thing I wanted to get to before we get to uh, Vinny is this report from Nikki Javala that Carson Wentz is, quote, viewed by the coaches as more than just a bridge player or even an experimental fix, closed quote. Look, if they believe that Carson Wentz is much more than a bridge or an experimental fix or a hope or a wing and a prayer or a let's see or an upgrade and he's got some talent, uh, but there's not a lot of long-term risk if it's just one year and it doesn't work out. But if they believed something other than that, then I think they would have already restructured his contract and not have worried about dead cap money in 2023 and 2024 and saved money on this year's cap so they could have kept a player potentially like Eric Flowers or made it easier for themselves in the discussions uh, that are going to be happening and probably already are happening with Terry McLaurin and maybe um, would have given them more flexibility in free agency already where they've only signed two players outside of the players that they kept here. I just think that's a big telltale as to how they really feel. Who knows? Maybe they'll restructure tomorrow. Maybe this will, If by the way, if they do that, they should have done that right away. You know, on the other hand, you could look at it as, well, they gave up, you know, two-thirds, really potentially more likely than not a second and a third, and they swapped five spots back with Indy in the second round, and they picked up all of his salary. They better believe he's more than just a one-year answer. Mm, I don't think that that's true. I think that there was some desperation. There was some panic there. Um, when, you know, the big plan A, a Wilson, uh, as an example, a Russell Wilson didn't pan out and I didn't, I don't think they wanted to be, you know, on the dance floor without a partner. I don't think they wanted to be in the situation that Carolina is in now. Uh, so, 
you know, th- there's certainly uh, room for debate on what they think, but I think it's very telling that the structure of his contract is what it is now, which is exactly the way it was when they acquired him. And that allows them to bail after one season without any risk beyond 2022 if, if it doesn't work out. There could be reasons they're waiting to restructure. You know, I, I'm not counting that out as a possibility. And remember, as you get into some of these days where he's out there with the team on these voluntary days and soon to be some mini camp and OTA days after the draft, maybe they fall in love with, with, with him and they realize, you know what, we got, we got our guy. We, you know, it'd be hard to really come to that conclusion without a game being played uh, in the regular season. But maybe they get to the point where they are really, really positive about him and they decide to do that. Uh, I wouldn't count on that. I personally would not count on the restructure. Uh, I just think it would have been more beneficial for it to happen already. And certainly it would have been more beneficial for them to have held out for at least Indy to pick up half of Wentz's 2022 salary and, you know, corresponding cap hit. All right, Vinny Serrato, when we come back, right after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply.
All right, with us is Vinny Serrato. Vinny, of course, was the general manager, the head of football operations for a stretch that lasted the better part of a decade between 1999 through 2009. He's been co-hosting a radio show in Baltimore for a while. Uh, The Vinny and Bob Haney Show is on every weekday, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. on 105.7 The Fan in Baltimore. You can also, if you've already downloaded the Odyssey app to listen to our station, uh, 980, that app allows you to listen to Vinny uh, and Bob Haney's show uh, as well. Vinny, it's been a while. How are you? I'm doing good. You know, busy, busy, you know, especially... You know, you're less than a week out from the draft. Fun time now. I, you know, I was thinking about you and people like you. Do you miss not being on the other side of this? Do you miss the excitement of the draft and, and not being legitimately involved uh, versus being a broadcaster and analyzing it from afar? Well, I still, um, like, I still grade like 75 players, and I grade everybody that the Ravens draft. You know, so I still watch my film and still give reports on the radio and stuff. And I do, and I'm doing the draft show Thursday night from eight to midnight. You know, and I evaluate every pick. So you you miss the excitement of the draft, and then you miss the excitement of when the rookies come in for the rookie mini camp to see what they look like then. That that's that that was the fun part. I, I do want to ask you, and, and we'll get to that uh, shortly, um, about some of your favorite picks and some of the picks that maybe you regret a little bit in hindsight. So you're really still into it. You're grading players, and obviously for the Ravens, you're you're you know, you're grading the draft after um, it's done. How close are you following what's going on down here? Uh, I don't really, uh, not at all. Be totally honest. You know, um, there, we don't even talk about you know, Washington um, on the radio here because, you know, we talk Ravens, we talk Orioles, and and we'll talk Caps, you know. that's Caps is the only – and then Bob likes the Wizards, so we'll talk that. And then we're the home of Maryland Terps, so, you know, I mean, we have Damon on. We just had Loxley on. So, I mean, we do a lot of Terps. I mean, we go down and uh, broadcast from we – were, we were on site before the Iowa game. You know, and then yeah. we all, me and Bob always go down for two days and stuff. So we, that's, that's kind of it. But we do nothing with um, Washington football because there's not a lot of interest. Yeah, well, I can understand that. You know, Vinny, there's not as much interest down here as there used to be. You know that. I mean, you've seen the you've oh, seen yeah, the crowds. Yeah. You've seen the crowds. You've seen, and I'm sure heard. You know what the television ratings have been. Um, but I, I am sure that you have weighed in on things like the Carson Wentz trade because you guys talk a lot about uh, about the NFL. So yeah. what what did you think about the Wentz trade? You know, I mean, the thing with Wentz is, you know, he shows flashes. the The, the problem I had with the trade was, you know. Indy, Indy, they didn't have to pay any of, of the salary or anything, and it's not like he's spectacular. I think they might have panicked a little bit too quickly to go. You know, if they'd have waited, maybe they don't have to give us as much as many draft picks, and maybe you know, Indy pays part of that. Yeah, 
That's kind of been the reaction from some of us down here as well. I mean, they were telegraphing essentially that they wanted to rid themselves of him. They would have had to release him. Now, Washington may not have been able to sign him had he been cut, so maybe trading something for him. But my first reaction was it sounds like the same as yours. Like, if you're going to give up picks, you can't take the whole salary. Indy's going to have to eat half of that. But they, they, they gave well, up a second, a third, you know, uh, it's going to eventually be a second rounder. There's two thirds to begin with, but it's a conditional third in 2023. They, they, they moved five spots back in the second round of this draft, and they ate $28.3 million of it. All yeah, of it. It's going to be interesting to see. It's going to be interesting to see Baker Mayfield, how much Cleveland has to eat, you know, because that, that'll be kind of interesting. I mean, because, you know, I mean, Carson Wentz, I mean, the owner didn't even want to meet with him. I mean, the owner wanted him bye-bye after the season, you know. Yeah, what do you make of him as a player, though? Like, do, do, the one thing I think some of us feel is that he is an upgrade over what they've had. You know, no disrespect to Taylor Heineke, but it's still, Vinny, right? Red flags all over him that Philly and Indy didn't want anything, didn't want to have anything to do with him after, you know, a, a year in Indy and just a few in Philly. Uh, to me, the biggest thing is inconsistent. That, that's the, the biggest thing. And, you know, I mean, he has good numbers. It, it, it's kind of like he kind of reminds you of Kirk Cousins a little bit. You know, they have great numbers, but they don't win. You know, that's that's the biggest problem. And he's been hurt a lot. You know, I mean, he's been hurt a lot. You know, and the thing with Wentz is, I mean, you can make a case for him that, you know, he missed all that time in training camp and, and everything. But, you know, when they're playing Jacksonville and they're having – two games, you know, where they've got to win one to get into the playoffs and, you know, the quarterback basically pees down his leg. I mean, that, that's, that's not, a, not a ringing endorsement. All right, let's talk about the draft. You know, you've been around a lot of drafts, uh, and I'm just curious on your show and even to, to, to people that are in your life, how do you describe this draft overall? I would, well, it's different because there's no outstanding quarterback. You know, I mean, last year, you know, we had Trevor Lawrence, so you kind of knew. And there's really not that surefire number one pick, although I think Hutchinson, you know, should be the first pick. Um, but I, I think there's some good pass rushers. I think there's, you know, some good tackles and a few decent corners, a couple safeties, uh, defensive tackles, maybe one or two, but there's not a – it's not a real good year for that. So I, I would guess, you know, I mean, people say it's a deep draft. We'll find out. I mean, you don't really know for a couple of years. But there, there's going to be half of these guys in the first round or, or more probably going to be busts. What do you think of the quarterbacks in this draft? Obviously, they've been, you know, completely uh, dismissed as, as, as one of the worst classes we've seen in a while. What do you make of Willis, Pickett, Corral, Ritter, Hal, et cetera? You know, the, the thing about it is with quarterbacks is, is you know, because you need one, you kind of start to fall in love and, and you forget, you know, if you probably go by your first evaluation of the quarterback, it's probably the best one, but – then, you know, if you really need one, then you start, well, you know, I kind of like that, or, you know, we could do this with him. You know, you kind of find reasons why you like him, and, you know, then you start to panic during the draft, and, oh, man, we got to get this guy, you know, and then they all get overdrafted. You know, I mean, look at Christian Ponder and, yeah. uh, you know, some of the uh, 
who was the kid from Washington that year? Um, oh, 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 yeah, Jake Locker. Because uh, I went Lock, out, Locker. Yeah, yeah. Because I went out there. I spent three days out there, you know, looking at Locker, and I remember I'm at practice, you know, watching him, and you know, Dan called me during practice. He says, "What do you think?" I said, Danny's completing 50% in seven on seven, you know, <laughs> and, and then he had an out, you know, and I stayed for the game that Saturday too. He had an outstanding game. You know, he looked like Steve Young in the game, but I don't think he ever loved football. That was the problem with him. And that's one of the biggest things is, you know, will they work? Are they passionate? Do they care? You know, do they love it? You know, are they willing, you know, kind of like Thibodeau. That's the problem with Thibodeau from Oregon. You know, you're worried about, you know, is he worried about, you know, all his off-the-field stuff, or does he want to work and be a great football player first? Hold on. I got, I got to ask you about the locker thing. So that's 2011. I, it's so funny because I've referred to this draft a lot. That was the year that, you know, Ponder and Gabbert and Locker, it's like they went much higher than anybody was anticipating, and none of them uh, other worked out. Cam Newton was at the top of that draft. Obviously, he worked out. But in 2011, who were you scouting for? Because it wasn't for here. No, eleven. I was uh, lock. No, because I was out there uh, and looked at Locker, and it was the year that. Because um, I remember talking to Shanahan about it, but Mike wasn't the coach yet then. Yeah, he was. I remember talking. To yeah, Mike. he was. He was the coach. He, he, he twenty ten was his first year as the coach. Well, I remember being out there with Locker. Mike wasn't the head coach yet when I was looking at Locker. Okay. Um, Maybe it was a couple of years earlier when you were looking at him before the before a draft year. Because he got picked in 2011, and that was Mike's second year. That was Bruce's second year. Well, but, well Bruce, I'm sure. I promise you, Bruce never went out and looked at him. <laughs> well, can you also promise me that he didn't call you to ask you what you thought of Locker? Uh, no, he never did. But you did- know, it was an interesting one was Mike and I, because um, my first year out, because Mike and I had been friends forever. Uh, of you know, course. We were together in San Fran, yeah. and Mike tried to hire me in Denver and stuff. So we had a bet, because uh, he asked me about, you know, they they took the um, the defensive, the kid from Purdue. the uh, Ryan, Ryan Kerrigan, yeah. Yeah, and, I, and he said, who would you take? I said, Mike, I love Cameron Haywood. Hayward from no, the the Cal kid. I said, Mike, I love the Cal kid. He's smart. You know, his dad was in the NFL. But, you know, both worked out. Cameron you know, Jordan. Cam, Cam Jordan. One. Cam Jordan. Yeah. Yeah, that, Cam Jordan. That that was – that's who I – I said, Mike, I said, I like Cam Jordan. You know, and, and he, he – you know, he took the other, which was fine. I mean, they were both good players. You know, the funny thing about that draft is – you know how fans, for whatever reason, always want you to trade back um, and, you know, acquire more picks. And sometimes it makes sense. In that particular draft, Washington could have taken J.J. Watt, but they traded back with Jacksonville, who wanted to uh, uh, trade up to get um, to get uh, Gabbert, right? Yeah, Gabbert it was. And so Houston got Watt. Washington got Kerrigan. Kerrigan was a nice player, but he, was not, no, he wasn't a J.J. Yeah. Watt. No. 
Yeah. So, um, you know, by the way, in talking about quarterbacks, and we're getting sidetracked here, which is fine. I, I, I know in my previous conversations it happens all the time, and I enjoy this because, you know, in drafting quarterbacks, you know, you said they always get overdrafted, and it's tough. You guys together, you and Dan, drafted two quarterbacks, and actually Joe obviously drafted, uh, to, uh, the, you know, um, Jason Campbell. But Jason, Jason Campbell. So Patrick Ramsey, how did that go down, and then how did the Campbell thing go down? See, I wasn't there with the Patrick Ramsey. That was Joe Mendes, you know. And, you know, what's funny about that one was, you know, because that's when Joe was in charge, remember? Joe Mendes, yeah, not not so, not Gibbs. Yeah. Joe Mendes, yeah. yeah. So Joe never told me. He, he didn't tell me about uh, Patrick. I knew nothing about Patrick Ramsey. I didn't know they were taking him, you know, or anything. So uh, I had no idea about that one. What about t- I had just gotten back. Right, because the the year before was the Marty year. Um so you had oh, ju- yeah. you had just gotten back. I mean, the 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 legend of the Patrick Ramsey pick was that that was all Dan. I think it was all Joe Mendes, you know, to be totally honest. I don't know because Joe hid it from me. Joe wouldn't Joe wouldn't uh Joe never told me that one. Nobody told me, you know, I didn't know till we took him. Do, you know, it- that might have been Pepper's pick. That might have been Pepper's pick. <laughs> um, Pe- well, Pepper Rogers had influence in those days, didn't he? Oh, yo, yes, he did. Yes, he did. Yeah, and uh, yeah, Spurrier. Yeah, that was interesting. Just say interesting times, you know. Interesting times, but you know how, um, and I don't want to spend a lot of time because I actually want your thoughts on some of the picks that, that Washington might make. But interesting times for sure, but that was, you know, Spurrier didn't seem to be thrilled with that pick. You obviously didn't know that it was being made. What did you think of the player? Do you remember what you thought of Ramsey? I can't. I, to be totally honest, I can't. I, I don't recall. You know, I mean, Patrick was – you know, kind of like uh, I, I think somebody must have fallen in love. Is my guess. I don't, I don't know because he wasn't. You know, he, he wasn't. Uh, uh, he didn't produce anything. You know, he, he didn't last long. And yeah, I don't think once we started practice, I don't think Spurrier was. Spurrier loves Florida players. Bottom line, you know. <laughs> now I do have a good Sean Taylor one. You know, story. It was a, it was a good story because um, we were probably a week out, and we hadn't decided because a lot of people wanted Kellen Winslow right. and a lot of people wanted Sean. You know, and it was two Miami dudes. Um, you know what's interesting about that? You know how you can have the thirty visits and stuff. Yeah. So Kellen Winslow comes. Yeah. Kellen comes to visit, and we had him up at the hotel. And um, Joe goes over because he was going to have um, breakfast with Kellen, you know, because he was at the Chargers with his dad and stuff, you know. So he and and you know Joe Joe loved tight ends, right? So um, he goes over to have breakfast with Kellen, knocks on the door. Well, he's supposed to meet him in the lobby. He calls. He says Kellen's not here. He goes up, knocks on the door. Kellen doesn't answer. You know then. Then Kellen comes to the door like, oh, you know, like all groggy, you know. So that was that was one strike. And then and then he comes over to the facility, and like we're looking around, where's Kellen? He was down in the locker room sleeping. So it wasn't a great impression. 
So, so we're we're like a week out, and we're trying to figure out, you know, Winslow or Taylor. So Joe says, "All right, let's get everybody in the room." I mean, we got the offensive coaches, the defensive coaches, all everybody in the bill, all the scouts, everybody. We're all in there, and we said, "All right, let's get the national championship film." It was Miami, Ohio State, right? And actually, me and Dan, me and Dan, and went to that game. Um, so. We put on Winslow first, and then we watch it, and he was outstanding. You know, so everybody kind of goes around the room, makes comments, and they said, all right, let's watch Sean. So we watched Sean, and even like like Bugs and Bro and all of they said, you got to take Sean Taylor. The offensive coaches said, you got to take Sean. So then, then it was, you know, then it was kind of a done deal. Then how about Butch Davis? He was at Cleveland, and they were picking right after us. And he you took know, Winslow, and he tried to trade. I, he tried to trade up with us because he wanted Sean, and he took Winslow. Yep. Clinton Portis has told me this story many times before. He said that he got wind that you guys were debating between Sean and Kellen Winslow, and being a Miami guy and being teammates with both of those guys, he he claims he got on. He went in to Joe's office. And said, Joe, you've got to take Sean. And, and Joe said, well, we need offense. And Clinton's answer was, well, if you need offense, then you need to draft Sean Taylor. <laughs> that was his answer. Sean will create more offensive opportunities for you than Winslow would. So, it, uh, so when was the final determination made? Was it the week before? Was it right when Winslow? It was right then. Yeah. It was right when we watched when we watched the film. It was over, yeah. you know, because because we were big, big on and and Joe liked the fact that I always had everybody involved, uh, all the coaches, you know, and Joe loved that. He loved having everybody involved and everybody having an opinion. And then when we made, you know, when we uh, decided, you know, it was it was done. You know, it was Sean all the way. So that was pretty cool. I, I got another funny one, you know, like Chris Samuels. Remember when he was redoing his deal? Because I remember we were down in the Senior Bowl, met with Jimmy Saxton, Chris's agent, because Chris, we had to redo his deal, you know, and Jimmy Saxton was holding us hostage. So Dan's, uh, me and Joe walk into Dan's room, and he was there with Scott Campbell, Lewis Reddick, Eric Schaefer, and all, and they're saying, you know, Dan says, do you guys want to, extend you want to do this deal with samuels and they all said no so me and joe walk in they said what do you guys want to do i said want to sign them and joe says want to sign them dan says all right you two want to sign them all right i'm going to sign them so then me and joe leave go down to tell the coaches and call chris we're walking down the hall and joe grabs my arm he says you know, if Chris gets hurt, we're gonna have we're gonna have to jump off the cliff together. <laughs> <laughs> well, why didn't why didn't the others want to sign him? Because it was gonna be a lot of money, right. and he had been hurt, you know. But then after that, he he ended up being what three more. And and you know what's so cool about Chris and you know, I mean, you know, Chris, such a great yeah. dude that he. This was like eleven o'clock at night. He came over that night and told all the coaches. He says, "You won't regret this." 
you know, I'll, I'm going to work my butt. And, you know, he did. I mean, what, he was three times. Yeah. Pro Bowler three more times after that. Real quickly, though, back to the 2004 Sean Taylor draft. So when you decided that you weren't going to take Winslow, but Gibbs still wanted a tight end, that's the draft where you guys traded back up into the third round because you didn't have a third round pick, and you picked my good friend Chris Cooley. Was the plan, was Cooley the backup plan when you guys decided to pick Taylor over Winslow Jr.? Um, you know what? Really like Cooley. You know, like, he wasn't the fastest, but he had really one, uh, well, the thing I liked about him was he had one-step separation. You know, with, you know, so he could get open. Loved Cooley, and I think we had, like, a second-round grade, and we didn't have a third-round pick. So we basically bought the third-round pick, right. I think, with, like, the next year's two, you know, because yeah, we wanted a tight end, needed a tight end, and we loved Cooley. You know, so yeah, that was that was, and and Cooley ended up being. Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, Cooley's cool. Cooley's yeah. Cooley. <laughs> he's he's one of my favorite people. Um, so real quickly on Jason Campbell in two thousand five, you guys took Carlos Rogers. The two thousand five draft obviously has been well documented because of Alex Smith going one, and then you know uh, Aaron Rodgers not going until in, in, until twenty four, which which was the pick right before you guys. But when you traded back into the first round that year at 25 for Jason Campbell. I think it was for Jason Campbell. Somebody fell in love with him when you guys were down at Auburn, maybe working out Carlos Rogers. Uh, give me, give me 30 to 60 seconds on how, uh, you know, you guys came to the conclusion that it made sense to trade back into the first round to take Jason Campbell. We went, we flew down. It, it was, me, Joe, it was the whole offensive staff. We flew down actually on Joe's plane, and we went down there specifically to see Jason Campbell. You know, so, and we, and those guys spent the day with him, you know, watching film and doing all that stuff, you know, because they wanted to check out intelligence and all those things. And, um, yeah, then they all, they, uh, everybody, because I remember we got off. We get we dropped Joe off in Charlotte. He got off, and and then Dan called, and uh, um, all the coaches said, "Yeah, this is the guy we want." Did you have any idea that Aaron Rodgers, you know, when you trade, I, I forget the how the events unfolded. You you traded back into the first round to take Jason Campbell, clearly, and he was the pick after Aaron Rodgers. Just out of curiosity, if the Packers hadn't taken Rodgers and he had been on the board one pick later with Campbell, who would you have taken? Yeah, we never thought he would be. I mean, it was it was going to be. We were we were going to have a discussion. Let me say that. You know, there would have been a discussion had at that time because we didn't uh, we didn't. Ex- I mean, you know, everybody's watching him on TV. You know, I mean, you kind of saw it. Yeah. And, and then you know what happens. You know what happens in that? It's like, what's wrong with him? What's wrong with him? You know, why is he? Why are people letting him go? You know, because then you're like, all right, you know, ha- has he done something? You know, background, blah, blah, all that. You know, so yeah, there, there would have been a discussion at that time. Did you like Jason Campbell? Yeah, yeah, Jason. Jason was. He was. He was. Uh, he was good. You know, I mean, he was a big, athletic kid. You know, and you know what? Was was he great? No. Played in the league a long time, you know, and he was uh, he was not a franchise quarterback, let's just say that. So, you know, like Steve Bashotti said the other day, he says, 
I don't think I'd like to be an owner if I didn't have a franchise quarterback. That would be miserable, <laughs> you know. And and if you don't if you don't have one, you're in constant search till you find one, you know. And you got to be because you can't win in the league without a quarterback. Yeah, so that allows me to now circle back to what started this conversation, was, which was asking you about the quarterbacks in this draft. Do, does any, do any of them have a big enough ceiling, even if their floor is super low and the bust potential is high, but the upside is, is huge? Do any of them have that upside? Willis would be the guy that has the upside, you know, because he's an athlete and he's got a big arm, you know, but he just hasn't been accurate. You know, I mean, the guy only completed, what, 50-some percent, you know, so he's the – and I watched his uh, pro day because it was on TV. I mean, he threw the heck out of the ball. You know, he did a real nice – I mean, he looked great in the pro day. So, um, to me, he has the biggest upside. If you're going to take a chance on one, that would be that would be the guy. You know, I mean, everybody else, there's, there's red flags, and you're making excuses, you know, for something. You know, like with Pickett, he's got those little hands. You know, he struggles – Struggled throwing the ball in the rain at the Senior Bowl, so I mean, those are all the things you know you gotta you gotta check out. You know, Ritter, a fifth-year guy. You know, I mean, they're just you know Corral, all all of them. I mean, there there's there's a lot of red flags on all. There, there's not like when Andrew Luck came out, it was like I gotta get that guy. Right. You know, there's nobody trying to trade up for any of these guys. You know, who's the best player in the draft? The best player in the I, – I love – well, I think Aiden Hutchinson has the – if I was picking number one, I'd take Aiden Hutchinson just because he has the least bust potential. I think no matter what happens, he's going to be a good football player, you know, because um, he's athletic. I mean, his times and stuff at the Combine were off the charts, his three-cone and, and his 10-yard time, all that stuff. And then if you watch him play, you know, he played big in big games and, and the effort that he plays with, two-time captain, you know, I mean, he checks every box. He doesn't have – the only red flag that I see on the guy, his arms are a little short. Other than that, you know, there isn't any. Who's the player in the first round as you've been evaluating players that you think is going to get picked too high? Trayvon Walker. Why? I, I just think – well – you know, I mean, he blew up the combine. He ran four five. He's six five two seventy. You know, and everybody. Here's what happens a lot with coaches: is is they fall in love. And and what happens with coaches is what they'll do is they'll say, "I can get him to do it." Yeah, I mean, that's a typical coach. I can get him. I I can I can make it work. I can fix him. You know, and that's that's typical. That's a lot of coach speak. That's what they do. You know, and. Trayvon Walker is a great athlete and all that, but I mean, when you watch him on film, you know, does he? Do you play him inside? Or do you play him outside? You know, when you're picking in the top five, it shouldn't be should we do this or should we do that? It should be like plug play. We know what he is. You know, that's that's why like Aquano, I love Aquano too. You know, I mean, to me, there's three really good tackles: Evan Neal, Aquano, and Charles Cross. I think those three are outstanding players, and Aiden Hutchinson, I like, uh, but. All the other rushers, you know, you can find something interesting about them. You know, whether it be Thibodeau and his off the field. But, I mean, is Thibodeau a good player? Oh, yeah. I mean, he, he's got the best first-step quickness of anybody. You know, he, I, I like him a lot, but I'm concerned about him. You know, I, I, 
I just think that there's going to be problems eventually. You know, and Jermaine Johnson from Florida State, yeah. he's transferred from Georgia, yep. you know, and he's an outstanding rusher, you know, but, you know, he had the, it's one year, but he's going to go, you know, so there, there's concerns there. Now, you know, the Notre Dame kid, the Hamilton, the safety, you know, I think he's an outstanding player. He, he didn't run well, but he plays fast. You know, he plays fast. That's the thing. You know, like when you looked at Sean Taylor, you know, Sean was big, fast, and, I mean, you watched the – it was the Florida State game. What He had two interceptions in that game in the rain and ran one back for a t- – I mean, he was – there's nobody – you know, when you watch film, there's nobody that's impacted games like Sean did when you watch film compared to other safeties. I was going to ask you about Kyle Hamilton because he's a guy that's been mocked to Washington at 11 over and over yeah. again. And, you know, the time, the, the, the 4 5 9 in Indy and then the 4 7 or whatever it was on his pro day seemed to have people scared off. I mean, when you watch Notre Dame last year, and I know you watch Notre Dame, there never yep. seemed to be an, uh, an issue with speed. He plays fast, and he's, he anticipates well. Do you think if, if he's yep. there at 11, Washington should take him? Yeah, I, I don't think that would be a bad pick at all. Because the thing that you got to remember, Kevin, is functional. Functional speed. Do, do, you know, does he get beat you know, because of speed? Can you see lack of speed you know, on the film? Like Jerry Rice ran four six something at the combine. Yeah, right. Functionally, Jerry's functionally Jerry's extremely fast. You know, nobody ever caught him. You know, I mean that that's the thing, and that's you know like Devin Lloyd, same thing. You know, he he didn't even run. Like he said, watch the film, and if you watch the film, he plays fast. And you know that's that's the thing with Kyle Hamilton is you know his instincts, his awareness, all those things, and he's six four. The only thing scares me, Kevin, about Kyle Hamilton is, you know, he's 6'4", he's 220, and he's not a big weight room guy. Now, when they get into the weight room, does he get up to 230 and stuff? And then, then what happens? Well, then I guess you end up playing him in the box a lot more. Yeah, but in today's football, you know, yeah. you don't need box guys. You know, it's a spread out, it's a seven-on-seven game. You know, you, you need, in, in today's football, I mean, you look at, the AFC West. Look at what happened there. You know when Russell Wilson went. You know, and all of a sudden, all you got the the quarterbacks in that division. Yeah. What did everybody do? They went and got two pass rushers. You know, each. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't know about um, Hamilton. Uh, I have a feeling a lot of people listening didn't know about Hamilton and that he's not a big uh, weight room guy. Um, so I, I asked you about the guy that'll get taken too high. You've discussed Hamilton, which is one of the players I was going to ask you about. Um, other than Hamilton, who's a player that you think is going to be overlooked a bit too much and taken too low? Does anybody kind of jump to mind? Yeah, the guy that I really like, is Daxton Hill from Michigan the safety? Athletic, I mean, yeah. Because he 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 ran four three six. Yeah. And if you watch the Ohio State game, he played in the slot the whole time. So I mean, he's got some corner characteristics, you know. So, and he he's a great blitzer. He can do a lot of things defensively to help you. And you know, he's what six one, but he runs four three six. And like I said, he can backpedal. He can do all those things. He's got ball skills. But, I mean, his burst, and he'll tackle, you know, so he's a weapon as a defense, you know, 
as a defensive player because you talk about a guy you want to move around and, and you know, take advantage of what he can do, that, that's what he can do. All right. Um, awesome, awesome. Tell me how you have the receivers rated because a lot of people believe that, you know, if Kyle Hamilton isn't there at 11, Washington will likely go receiver. Yeah, well, you know, like I've always been um, – like my Niner days, you know, we never would take a receiver under six foot tall. I mean, that was Bill Walsh uh, saying, you know, we didn't, our scouts didn't even have to look at them if they were under six foot. You know, I love, because of that, Devin Lloyd, I love Devin Lloyd. And, and the reason I love Devin Lloyd, I mean, there's a bunch of them I love, but Devin Lloyd, just because his yak, you know, I mean, his yards after the catch is phenomenal and his catching range is great. But how about, are you, how about you're, Kevin you're, you're Ohio not, you're, State? You're, you're not. You're not. You don't mean Devin Lloyd. You mean are you t- are you talking about Drake London? Oh yeah, yeah. I, excuse me. Yeah. I was looking at my linebacker. Yeah, Drake, that's yeah, all right. Yeah, Drake yeah. London. Okay. Because of the size. Yeah, Drake London. So he he's your number one. I, I love the size. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, Kevin, how about Jamison Williams? Yeah. Alave and Wilson. They were all on the same team together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's great. Jamison Williams was in Ohio State he, he for two transfer, years. He had to transfer. Then he goes, <laughs> yeah, and he gets fifteen hundred yards. You know, and the, let me just say, uh, Wilson's great. Alave, I thought Alave was the most explosive guy off the ball. I thought his ten yard, his his, you know, if I'm a corner, I'm like I got to pedal fast. You know, I got to bail quick because this guy is so explosive off the ball. That's what I liked about him. You know, I mean. I like all those guys. The only problem with Williams is is you're not going to have them right away. Right. Would would that bother you? Well, if I'm, you know, if if I'm a coach on the hot seat, yeah, it would bother me because I need I need instant gratification. You know, now if I had two picks, then that probably wouldn't bother me. You know, but if I'm just having one and picking at eleven, and I don't get the guy till later, and eh, I would probably go another direction. Do you think Ron's on the hot seat? No. No. I I think they they've got stability, you know. So I I think uh I think Ron's doing a nice job, you know. So I, I don't I with all the stuff that's going on there, you need stability in the football. <laughs> yeah, that's that's for sure. Who is Drake London's pro comp? I would say like um, AJ Brown or or like um, Evans in Tampa. Yeah, Mike Evans. I, I think those those kind of guys. You know, I mean, when you watch him on film, I mean, he's fun to watch, and he just and he's so competitive with the ball in his hand. You know, I mean that that's the thing because you got McLaren, you already got you like your speed guy. You know, and I wouldn't say that uh, that London's a possession guy, but He's a guy that he can take a hitch route and go the distance, you know, and, and he's going to make a guy miss. And, and that, so if, if the, I want to say the Redskins, if Washington takes London, uh, yeah, I, if, Was, if Washington takes London, I think it's a hell of a pick. I think it's a hell of a pick. You know, I mean, I don't think they can go wrong with Alave, with, you know, Wilson, but I think they have the speed guy. That's why I think, like, you know, London would be a perfect complement for them. And for Wentz, you know, you give them a bigger target. 
Yeah, people have mentioned that, and it's one of the things, you know, in talking to some people, I, I, I've got a sense that they really have London high up on their board. And one of the reasons, Vinny, is that Wentz has been better at throwing it to bigger receivers, whether it was Pittman Jr., who, by the way, you know, is a USC guy who's 6'4", 220, like London, or, you know, Jeffrey, Alshon Jeffrey, when he was in Philly, you know, the tight ends, obviously. He's preferred bigger catch radius guys. I remember I, I said to somebody earlier this week, don't most quarterbacks prefer big catch radius guys? Um, but um, somebody told me, they, of course they do, but it's harder to throw to smaller guys. So that's why they like London. But I'm curious, like Burks is a big guy, the kid out of Arkansas. Why has he fallen so much? I, like I mean, he had big games against big teams, including Alabama. Yeah. No. Well, I think the reason is um, all the other guys. You know, I mean, there. I, I think seven guys can get drafted in the first round. Yeah. You know, and I like Christian Watson out of North Dakota State. I mean, that's a dude that's six four that runs four three nine. Right. You know, and I think he's got a chance to go maybe to Green Bay or something. So, although it, it's kind of like what fits you, because there's the big guys, there's the small, fast guys. You know, so there's a, there's a lot of different um, avenues that you can go, and they're all outstanding players. Yeah, there are a lot of receivers. I mean, we were talking about this the other day. The Vegas odds are five and a half on receivers taken in the first round, and I think you know, I think it goes over five and a half. Um, yeah. What are your expectations for Washington next year? I know you said that you're not paying a lot of attention to it, but you know enough about the league and about the division. Do you? What are your expectations for them next year in the NFC East? Well, to me, the first thing you look at is quarterback, and Dallas has the best quarterback in the division. And then after that, it's kind of a toss-up, you know. So, you know, if that's the case, then anybody anybody can win it. You know, it just depends on the quarterback play. Dallas probably has the most talent, you know, and, and Philly's going to add a couple nice pieces, you know, when they pick also. Um, and for them, it's just how does Hurts play? You know, because they're trying to figure out if he's the guy. Right. You know, and Daniel, the the Giants, we had the Giants beat writer on yesterday on the show. And, I mean, they're, they're in cap hell. Their first-round pick from last year, they want to trade him. So, I mean, they're not going to be – they're not going to be good. So, you know, in Dallas, who knows what Dallas uh, – I mean, should Dallas win it? Yeah, Dallas should win it. Can Will Dallas win it? That's yet to be determined. Yeah, I mean, I read about the Giants looking to unload Kadarius Toney. Um, I mean, I, I thought he had some Deshaun Jackson in him and some Tariq Hill in him the way he played at Florida, but obviously there's something wrong there um, with him. By the way... Well, he doesn't like to work, supposedly. Y- right. So, um, just out of curiosity, Daniel Jones, Jalen Hurts, uh, do you think either one of them ends up being a long-term answer for either team? Nope. I think Hurts uh, probably has a better chance. I mean, with Daniel Jones, you know, somebody asked me, what do you think? I said, well, he's going on his fifth year, so that should answer the question. You're still asking the same question after five years. Yeah. You know, after four years, going into fifth year, is he the guy? You know, I mean, with all these other guys, if, if you don't know by year two, you know, like we're going to find out this year a lot about Trevor Lawrence, about Zach Wilson, you know, a lot about a lot of those guys. Yeah, we are. 
Next year, just out of curiosity, C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young? If you're if you're number one and on the clock right now, who's the quarterback you would take? The only thing with um, Stroud, or no, the Alabama kid, you know, young, he's like five nine. Young is is the is Bryce Young's the Alabama kid. Yeah, yeah, Young. Yeah, he he's tiny. What do you mean? You know, t- that, that's he, the thing. He, I mean, he's not, he's not five nine, Vinny. One of my buddies who was coaching down there said he was, yeah, he's like 5'9", five, 5'10". Five, he's not that tall. He's got a high release, which helps him out a lot, and he's been super productive, you know. So you like Stroud. So, I like, well, just watching them on film, I like them both, yeah. you know, just watching them play, you uh, know. Uh, and, you know, you got you to gotta do your homework on both, but they're, they're both – more productive and done a lot more than the guys in this year's draft. All right. I've kept you long enough, but I've got a couple of, of questions just to finish up with. The pick that you made anywhere that you had the most to do with that you're the most proud of. Ooh. I, I would probably Chris Samuels. Okay. That's that's an easy one. That was you know that was your first draft here when it was Lavar at two overall and Chris Samuels at three overall. Yeah, you know what's funny about that one too was I remember like because you know it was kind of floated out there about Chris Samuels and like people on the you know we were getting crucified at the time because they're like who's Chris Samuels? So I called Jimmy Sex and I said Jimmy, I said I need your help, man. I said if you want us to take your guy. I says, get him on the radio, get him, get him some PR up there in Washington so people know who this kid is, so when we do take him, it makes it a lot easier. He said, all right, you know, and then I remember Doc Walker, you know, I mean, Doc's a former O-line, you know, yeah. type guy, you know, so, and then I remember Chris did some more stuff, and then, and then, you know, once we ended up making a pick, they were like, yeah, that is a good pick, you know, they knew who he was, and then, you know what, Cooley would be another one, and then, um, I tell you, one that – how about Chris Horton? You know, he was a – what? Seventh round pick. Fifth round or seventh round? Seventh round seventh pick. Seventh round pick that started started at safety. You know, and he wasn't the fastest guy in the world, but he was so, so smart and so instinctive, and that's why he's one of the best special teams coaches in the league right now in Baltimore. That was not your best draft, the 2008 draft. No, but Chris Horton was uh, – he was a good good player. What what about the pick that you regret the most? Um, Malcolm Kelly, because, and just because Bubba Tire, Bubba Bubba said, you know, I mean, he was a four medical, and Bubba said he's gonna everything Bubba said turned out, but you know, there was just that was just it, that happened, you know, that uh, that was it just right. It was, uh, yeah. it was a long story. Yeah. It was a long story. Um, is it, is it one worth telling or should we save that for next time? No. Um, so I just had a curiosity in the two, the in, in the 2000 draft, I, I don't know the answer to this, but why you had picks two and three, did it make a difference of, uh, other than slotting for salary, whether you took Arrington first or Samuels first, was it just easier? Cause Arrington was such an obvious, you know, top, you know, two or three pick that you went with him at two overall. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing was LeVar cared about it. Chris didn't. Gotcha. You know? And Jimmy Sexton, it didn't matter to Jimmy where it mattered to the Postons. 
Give me, give me the so p- read in, read yeah. in, read into that. Yeah, how you want to, I think you know? I think most most adults can do that. Um, the pick that you absolutely were convinced that you had right, but it just didn't work out. Other than Malcolm Kelly because of the injury, a player that you were a hundred percent convinced you had gotten right, and it just never worked out when they got you know when he got to his to his career. Um, it, it, it's all right if nothing comes to mind. I can't think. Yeah, I can, nothing comes. You know what? Another another good one that we had was, you know, like Derek Dockery. You know who we took in the third? Yeah, from and Texas. Doc, we, you know, yeah, we had a high grade on him. And I remember sitting in the draft room and like his, we had a high grade. So his card stood out like a sore thumb because all the other cards around him were gone. And 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 Dan actually said, well, if you believe in your board, you know, that's the guy you got to take. You know, and and that one turned any, and he ended up being a good player in the league too for a third round pick. What so, about Laurent? Yeah, can, what about Landry? And, and, you know, and, and right before Adrian Peterson was picked. By the way, yeah. you can say that about a lot of teams. You know, the teams overlook future Hall of Famers. Yeah. It happens in every draft. But why why Landry in that draft? Yeah, I think well, he ran four three also. So you know, um, Greg said that he would be able to do a lot with both. You know, that was that was the thing. So um, it was a guy that, you know, his speed and explosiveness and, you know, and he had good ball skills and everything. I mean, he was just, um, to me, talent-wise, he was so much better than everybody else. You know, he just ended up loving the weight room, man. <laughs> he got so big. Yeah, he was, my God, he was cut. Uh, didn't always translate on the field, uh, but he was he was in shape, uh, that's for sure. Uh, Vinny, I appreciate it. I really do. Um, it's good to catch up. You can listen to Vinny with Bob Haney, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. weekdays on 105.7 The Fan in Baltimore. Uh, you can also listen to his show on the Odyssey app. Uh, this is his favorite time of year. I know that. Uh, I appreciate it. Hope you're well. Let's do it again soon. All right, Kevin. Appreciate it, man. Vinny Serrato, everybody. Good stories in there uh, mixed with um, some thoughts on the upcoming NFL draft. Now, for those of you wondering, hey, Sheehan, why didn't you ask him about everything that's been going on in the organization? Well, uh, I kind of respected his wishes to not discuss uh, any of that. Uh, That was his preference. And uh, from my standpoint, uh, it was great to have Vinny on, to have him tell stories about being there for a lot of those big drafts and big personnel decisions. And there were some great stories, and he, he's told some really good stories in the past as well. Um, and, you know, with respect to the draft, this is his time of year. We have a lot of guys on to talk about the draft and have had him on, both radio and podcast, and people with far less in terms of a resume of being paid to do it than Vinny Serrato. So, this is his time of year. He's been watching the tape, uh, and it was good to get his thoughts um, on uh, some of the players that Washington will be looking at at 11. So anyway, um, that's that. Up next, up next, the NFL schedule will be out on May 12th, but the NFL is starting to release details about its schedule. And yesterday they released some information about some of next year's holiday games. More on that right after these words from a few of our sponsors. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? 
Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. So the NFL is going to release its schedule, uh, full schedule in its entirety on May 12th, Thursday night, May 12th, two weeks after the first round of the NFL draft, which is this coming Thursday. I think this is the second straight year the NFL is releasing its NFL schedule after the draft. They used to do it before the draft. That was the tradition uh, for many years. And I think it kind of feels like this is going to be the new way of doing it. But between now and May 12th, the NFL is promising to release bits and pieces of either news related to the schedule or some games themselves. Well, yesterday, the league announced that for the first time in league history, the NFL will have a triple header on Sunday, Christmas Day of 2022. Uh, It's a Sunday this year, Christmas, so they've had double headers in the past, including last year when they had Cleveland and Green Bay in the afternoon, followed by Indy and Arizona with Christmas being on a Saturday. Um, They've had double headers on Christmas Day before when Christmas Day has fallen on a weekend day. The only time postseason games were played on Christmas Day, you got to go back to 1971, and it was a famous uh, playoff game. The Cowboys and Vikings kicked that day off, but the Dolphins and the Chiefs played the longest game still to this day in NFL history on Christmas afternoon and night, uh, 1971. Garo Upremian finally coming through late in the second overtime to beat Kansas City 27-24 to that year. Uh, now it's just week 16 of the regular season. There are still two more full weekends of football to go after Christmas weekend with the 17-game schedule. So the league announced it will have a triple header. There will be afternoon games uh, on CBS and on Fox, I believe, and then NBC will get a Christmas night game. The NBA has kind of owned Christmas Day, but the NFL's gone head-to-head with the NBA with at least you know a game and sometimes two over the years at times and done very well, uh, obviously, opposite uh, the NBA. Uh, three games. Games takes up almost you know every single NBA window, with NBA games being shorter than NFL games. So this year, the NFL truly going head to head with the NBA uh, on Christmas Day. Uh, sorry, NBA, you're going to lose that big time. Uh, the NFL still on that weekend will have a Thursday night game, and then the bulk of of Week 16 games will be will be played on Saturday, Christmas Eve, and then there will be a Monday night game that week as well. Now, between now and the uh, schedule release on May 12th, 
I think we're going to get news with respect to uh, Thanksgiving Day games um, and potentially some of the international games. We will probably learn something about uh, between now and the actual release of the schedule on May 12th. And I will have uh, annual tradition, unlike any other, I will have my mock schedule now that they're going to release some of these games in advance, I'm probably going to have to get it done and out, you know, this week um, or, you know, next week uh, at the latest, uh, the week uh, the week following the NFL draft uh, at the latest. Uh, Washington's never played on Christmas Day. They've played on Thanksgiving a ton. They've never played on Christmas Day. They've had a lot of games on Christmas Eve as part of the regular NFL schedule, uh, but they've never played on Christmas Day. Uh, obviously, the odds with a triple header on Christmas Day uh, make it, um, you know, maybe more likely. Uh, you, you know, I would I would expect that. You know, the NFL is trying to give some of these teams that haven't had these highlight spots on holidays. Now, Washington has had a lot of the Thanksgiving Day games over the years with the Cowboys. Uh, And they had one, uh, you know, at home against the Giants back in 2017. Um, But just so you know, Christmas Day is a possibility and Christmas Eve is actually a probability um, for Washington uh, this year in the NFL schedule. Uh, Okay, that's it uh, for the show. I'll be back on Monday.